Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Who's okay. the best of all of them? Good. And Fast Money starts right now live, as always, from the NASDAQ market side in New York's just dreamy Times Square. I'm Brian Sullivan. Welcome. Your traders on the desk tonight are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, check out shares of cloud giant Dropbox. That stock is lower. It is dropping down 9%. The earnings call underway right now. We'll tell you what Wall Street is saying about that report. Obviously, investors... They know like. All right, plus, all work and no play would make anybody, especially Jack Dorsey, a dull boy. And he is working overtime on his apology tour. His first stop, Fox News and Sean Hannity. But is he playing a dangerous game with shareholders? All that coming up. But first, we have got to start again with Tesla. It is directly in the crosshairs once again. That stock has round-tripped since CEO Elon Musk's famous now tweet about taking the company private. That stock right back to the levels it hit after an earnings report that Wall Street did like last week. But it may be signaling there is no deal in sight. Let's go right now to Phil LeBeau in Chicago for all the developing details on an equity fill that is saying investors are not convinced. They're not convinced and they're waiting for some definitive word from Tesla or Elon Musk about if there is funding, has it been secured, what's the source of that funding. Really, there are more questions than answers at this point, and some of those questions are being asked by the SEC. A report this afternoon by Bloomberg saying that the SEC has been looking into Elon Musk's tweets and communications regarding sales or uh, manufacturing production guidelines. That has people saying, well, look, is this a broader probe than simply looking into this one tweet on Tuesday about uh, potentially going private and securing funding at $420. Also, a lot of people have been asking, well, what's been the reaction of the short community? Because this stock went dramatically higher on Tuesday. How much did that flush out the shorts? Not a whole lot. We did some checking with some of the folks uh, who tech uh, to regularly track the shorting community. And basically what they came out with is, look, 34.7 million shares shorted right now. That's 27.2.2.24% of the float that is out there. Really hasn't changed much this week. Even though you would think that perhaps a lot of people would cover or bring down their positions, there has been limited short covering since Tuesday. And Brian, the interesting thing is, as you take a look at shares of Tesla, you know this, everybody knows this, the market hates a vacuum. And that's what we have right now because there's no information coming out of Tesla. We have asked repeatedly today, they have said we have no comment regarding anything since Elon Musk put out the blog on Tuesday afternoon, clarifying to a certain extent uh, his position on potentially taking the company private. So at this point, guys, we have a stock that's right back where it was before he even tweeted potentially taking the company private. You know, Phil, also, let's talk about how you're getting information, because the reality is you've been dealing with these companies, the, the automobile industry, the airline industry for years. They all do business kind of the same way. Tesla, a little bit of a loose cannon, particularly because of CEO Elon Musk. How difficult has it been in reporting on this story when you've got certain tweets that go out and then everything kind of goes to your point into a vacuum? 
Um, look, the, the key here, Brian, is that you have to ignore a lot of the noise that is out on social media. It's not hard to find yeah, the bulls or the bears who are out pushing ridiculous theories or ridiculous information. Separate away from that, and it's a pretty clear story right now. It, 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 does he have secured funding? And if so, wh what's the source of that? David Faber was reporting yesterday and today, and you know he's got extensive contacts on Wall Street. None of the, uh, the names or the established sources that you would expect, none of the banks, none of the big players on Wall Street, they know any, they, none of them know anything about where the funding might be coming from. It may be happening. It might be happening through some sovereign wealth fund that has not been contacted or has not come forward yet. So what you have to do, Brian, in this case, is you simply say to the company, where's the information? Where is the information? And right now, Tesla's not saying a thing. Bill, it's Karen. Let me ask something. Aside from the SEC investigation, I mean, there's, he has a duty as a 13D holder to make an amendment. But yeah. let's put that aside. If the board or he doesn't want to comment any further, why wouldn't they consider then just halting trading, as they did briefly when he came out with the original tweet, instead of just having the market be, you know, guessing without you, any great data? Great point. Great point. And, and believe me, that question has come up. We, we have tried to get some clarification as to why they would not do this. Um, it, all, none of this makes sense to people who are watching how this has been playing out. And that's why, Karen, everybody is sitting around saying, you probably shouldn't have done it this way originally when you mm -hmm. tweeted this out the way you tweeted it out. Now that it's happened, why, why not come out and either halt trading before making some declarative statement? Um, it's a very yeah. odd situation. Also, Phil LeBeau, great reporting there as well. Guys, thank you very much. All right, so Guy Adami. Yes, sir. Uh, number one, Welcome, I've got questions to, I've got I, questions I got to the lot, desk about a lot of questions what is the cost of borrowing on a Tesla short right now? I can't imagine you'd be even able to find stairs. That aside, Guy, the stock is 19.2% away from that $420 level where he talked about funding secured. Does the equity tell the story that the market says there's no deal. Well, I have to be consistent and say price is truth. What I also said on Tuesday is I do actually think the stock is headed to 420. I said, this is, I said a couple things. I said, you know what? Technicians will be concerned that Tesla traded up to basically that 389 level, the same high we made, oddly enough, this time last year, and failed. People will talk about double tops. Technicians will love that. I said, you know, in this case, I don't think it's going to hold up. Now, I've been wrong. Here we are at 352. I think the more important number is probably 359, and Karen can opine on that. But I think I can't believe he would make he would put out a tweet like that and not have something in his back pocket, which leads me to believe this stock is still headed well, higher. OK, so, I mean, and this isn't directed at Phil. I mean, but the absurd he talked about, you know, watch out for social media. This, the, this was delivered on social media. This is a CEO who's making declarative statements on 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 social media. And, and J.P. Morgan did a great report on this. They, they said, look, when a CEO of a major public company makes declarative statements about having a deal done, we have to believe him. And when he says funding is secure, we have to assume that that's a fact. So they changed their, you know, they rightfully changed their valuation of the company. They went from 198 bucks to 308 because they've got a DCF, plus they look at this thing on an earnings basis. And that's what you have to do with a 420 price tag. Bottom line here, uh, this guy made declarative statements. If these are not true, this is insane. Other bottom line, where's the board been? Okay, this is a board that's slow, so closely aligned with this company. You'd think this would be a chance for them to get out there and show that they're. It a board is a board where six of the nine members said that they would sign off and that they had they had discussed it, or Musk had discussed it anyway prior to his tweet. There was at least some prior discussion at the board level, according to board members. Even worse then for the board, right? They had some heads up that this was in the works, right? If you if you approach them to discuss it, 
I mean, I don't, that the board doesn't have any control is, it's shocking. Well, here's something that, that I think is kind of easy for all of us to agree on. Here's a company that actually should be private when you think about it. And yes. In this day and age, when a company like Uber, you know, I think its last official valuation was somewhere between 60 and $70 billion, who's raised $15 billion in equity and debt. Tesla, when we think about all of these private companies with this cult of the founder uh, out in Silicon Valley, Tesla should be a private company. We should stop talking about it because we spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, you know, and, and, and I just want to make this one point. You know, this is a company that Musk owns, what, 22%, 30% sold short. So we're talking like a few dozen major shareholders here. You know, not particularly interesting anymore. All right, guys, we've got some breaking news right now on Tesla. Mm. CNBC.com technology and banking reporter Alex Sherman joining us now on the phone. Alex, welcome to Fast Money. What do you got, buddy? Hey, Brian. So some breaking news here, uh, incremental but important. The Tesla board, uh, I'm told, is going to meet with financial advisors next week. Uh, and they are likely to say to Elon Musk uh, that he should recuse himself from the board uh, as the board reviews a potential take private. Uh, I'm also told what's likely to happen is the board will set up uh, an independent special committee, maybe of a few of the board members, uh, a smaller group, to review a proposal. I don't have any particular detail about what this proposal may look like, the structure of it, uh, or, again, whether or not there's actually committed financing, which is the big question here. Uh, one of the people told me that there at least was a conversation between Elon Musk and the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund about uh, a take private. But, uh, again, I have no information about whether or not that conversation went anywhere or if there is, in fact, any Saudi money as part of a theoretical take private. But at least what we do know yeah. is that the board... Uh, is taking this seriously. And so, you know, what we shouldn't expect is some sort of statement tomorrow from Tesla saying this was a manic episode from Elon Musk, it wasn't serious, blah, blah, blah. They are moving forward as if this is a very real uh, uh, take private offer. And Alex, Alex, your reporting, by the way, and thank you for breaking this story for us here on CNBC, reporting is moving the stock. Tesla was down. It is now higher. And I want to be clear on what you are saying. According to your sources, are they asking Elon Musk to recuse himself from the board generally or recuse himself from the board in this process of ostensibly exploring a take private situation? One is more permanent. One is temporary based on a situation. The latter. The, the latter, I'm told. You can look back, in fact, to what happened with Michael Dell when Michael Dell uh, uh, took Dell private. A similar thing happened. So, again, first of all, I'll, I'll, none of this is um, uh, for sure, but I'm told this is what's likely to be recommended next week. Uh, another piece of information I can give you, similar to when Michael Dell took Dell private, I'm told that what the board will likely recommend is for Elon Musk to get his own advisors. Uh, so he sort of operates as a separate entity here. This is, again, this is what happened with Michael Dell when he took Dell private, uh, so that there's almost three entities here. There's the board in full, and Elon is the chairman of the board. Then there would be Elon as sort of a separate entity uh, pursuing this management buyout. And then there would be this smaller independent committee. Uh, which would almost be a third entity here, which would then review the transaction, would be tasked with yeah. reviewing the details and the structure of the deals. 
Alex Sherman, CNBC.com, breaking that news that is moving the stock. Alex, thank you very much for bringing that to us as well. Uh, guys, you heard the news there. So according to Alex's reporting, excellent reporting there, the board may be asking Elon Musk to recuse himself from it. By the way, not surprising in no. some ways because the tax implications to Musk, like Michael Dell, would be so great. But here's the thing, Dan Nathan, you had talked about going private. Here's a stock where our reporter just said they're asking Musk to step away from this process. The stock soars from its lows after hours. What does that tell you about how the market feels about Musk in this situation? Well, I suspect it's what the shorts think. It's not really about new longs coming into it and trying to play this sort of thing. I mean, Karen, you're the risk arb here. It's, it's a difficult trade, especially in a name like this. So um, I, I really do think it's probably the shorts. I, well, I think that, the, first of all, that the board is just sort of getting around to this now hiring an independent banker is kind of ridiculous. Or he recommending must, it. Or recommending it. They have to do it. He must recuse himself. That's, that's the only proper thing for him to do. The idea that he actually would be recused, recusing himself, it gives a little bit of credence to he really believes or he really is but, acting like he's going down this path. That may be. But, we but, really need more detail than that. It's still, this is, it's, it's astounding. This is a real huge company that they're acting this way. It's ridiculous. Look, anybody who's following this company doesn't think it's preposterous that there could be a private bid for it somewhere, despite the fact that it continues to burn cash and lose money. But that's not the point. The point is, what is the protocol that this guy followed? And is this announcement just a CYA by a board that now has to do something? That's not a reason to rally the stock 5% necessarily. That's why this is dangerous. If you bought stock at 385 on Tuesday yeah. afternoon and you found yourself at 350 today and you panicked because it could be at 310, you might have already lost a lot of money here. So, you know, here's the point. I don't know that these announcements have been done correctly. Bottom line is, you know, Dan talks about should this be a public company or not. I, this wasn't, I know your point was just to say this is what this guy has wanted all along. Look at his other public company. How'd Solar City do? You know, I mean, he basically took that company out because he could. So, you know, maybe he should stay private, but he went to the public markets. There's rules. There's well, you, got, you clearly have a board that is back on its heels. They were likely caught off guard. We can't guarantee that, but it seems that way, caught off guard by the tweet, and they have to react. Let's bring in now Larry McDonald, uh, who's been listening at all of this stuff and put out a great note about looking at Tesla bonds. Before we get to what the bonds may be telling us, let's talk about this equity move here, Larry, because you've got either one of two things happening. You've got a market that is happy that maybe Musk may recuse himself, or you've got a market that may be happy that by this reporting by Alex Sherman, it is more likely a deal for a takeout is going to happen, or I guess see combination of the above. Well, I think Karen nailed it. I mean, it, this is making it look like there's a deal. It's a kind of credi credibility cover-up, but at the end of the day, uh, they would have to do something like this once he put that forth. You know, the bottom line is, as I was listen, listening to the table here, you know, he's made a mockery of, of the SEC. And um, if you're worth 25, 26 billion bucks, right, he's making a calculated bet that, okay, I might get a million dollar fee, it might be five million bucks. You're worth 25 million bucks. You'll, you'll spend a million, five million bucks, maybe 500 grand to burn the shorts. And at the end of the day, now the, now the board has to put forth a happy face. They have to make it look like they have real financing. But uh, the whole capital structure all week, bottom, bottom line, from the solar city bonds to, yep. the, to the high yield bonds, uh, has really been telling you there's no financing there right now.
credit markets, bonds, which are harder, to obviously, to see for the average retail investor who's maybe watching Fast Money. You look at those bonds closely. The credit markets will like to tell you they're smarter than the equity markets. You know who says that? Credit guys, yeah. by the way. But the credit markets to you, Larry, are sending a signal. The market does not believe there is a deal forthcoming. Well, at least not a leverage deal, especially, because the CDS actually is about the same level it was on Monday. The uh, straight the credit debt, default swaps. The credit, the credit default swap. The straight debt, the 5.3% junk bonds are trading around the same area, and they're trading at a big discount to where the equity was in March. So uh, the, the, the capital structure is saying there's no deal right now. What, so just just human nature. Well, easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. That sort of falls under yeah. this purview. But my I guess my question is, could he have? Uh, the Chinese is in his back pockets. Could he be building plants there and have sort of a wink and a nod that maybe there's funding there? Or is this Saudi investment fund? Is that sort of a put now on uh, Tesla stock? Not unlike I said the other night, what the Federal Reserve is to the S&P 500. Well, the, the fascinating thing about that point, and this tells us a lot about where we are in the market. When I talk to my our clients in the Valley, I've got a few clients out in the Valley, close to the billionaire level. They think he has the cash. And they remind me, as a, as a point I think Dan made, I mean, if, if Musk and the top five holders control, say, 30 billion of stock, then they don't need 80 billion. I mean, so right, they need 50 billion, yeah. but they only have 11 billion of debt now. 50 billion debt on number. this company is an extraordinary and, and amount of money. To, they, yeah. They're about to go yeah. borrow more cash. They're burning mm -hmm. through cash. They, you know, this is, this is the whole issue here. Yeah, and every time in my career when an, an, a deal like this has been announced, the CDS blows out 100 bips, 200 bips, the credit default swaps, because it's a more leveraged company. Larry, what about the fact that CDS just got listed in the last yeah. month? What does that say? Is there anything about the timing of that? It looked like there were some people scrambling for it uh, in front of potentially a capital raise that would have been dilutive. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm shocked that it's taken that long. But the, the, the high-yield market has actually started to mature a little bit in terms of uh, CDS, like a year ago, across the whole market was very illiquid. Mm -hmm. It's becoming more and more liquid. And this is a classic name where it should have the credit default swap trading against the bonds. Larry McDonald, ACG Analytics, Bear Traps Report, CNBC contributor. Appreciate you coming on, Larry. Thank you very much. All right, guys, let's go around the horn. Obviously, this test of story changed very quickly on that CNBC.com report. I mean, the market says either, hey, we're glad that Musk is, is maybe being asked to recuse himself, as to your point, Karen, they should. Because Absolutely. he's, he's got his own tax interests here aside from tax, as well. That may separate him from the shareholders. Aside from tax, this is a Delaware Corp. They have, I mean, there's duties that the board needs to do. Aside from that, and I don't know what the tax implications, maybe he could just roll in, but aside from that, he has to negotiate against a party. Larry said the M word, mockery. Tim Seymour, mm -hmm. that he's making a mockery of the SEC. That's what Larry said. Do you think he's making a mockery of the deal process here? Well, again, he's, it seems to me he's made a, a mockery of at least disclosure practices. Um, and, and I'd just like to get back to the fundamentals in the stock, because all we've been doing is talking capital markets. There's a reason why some of this capital market activity is happening. This is a stock that's not making money. This is a stock that people on one side of the ledger think is so far ahead of the competition that they can do anything they want. I see GM and I see the German autos who have AV, EV aspirations and execution that to me are not any, not significantly farther behind. And if you think that Tesla has this data pool that allows them to compete in, in, in this universe going forward, different from these guys, I think you're wrong. We just the don't know the, the full value of the intellectual no property sense. portfolio, though. I'm sorry? The IP portfolio is sort of the great wild card here, is it not, for a potential acquirer? 
I've believed that for, I mean, the stock is, and Tim makes a good point. I mean, if you look at the stock over the last year, it's basically been sideways, maybe it's slightly higher. It's not like it's been some huge outperformer. I'll say again, uh, I, the reaction of the stock based on that reporting doesn't surprise me. You talk about bankers going to bankers sort of makes sense. And I do think this stock is going to continue to add higher. It, does it make sense on a valuation basis? Absolutely not. But again, I'll say this. The I can't believe he would have put that tweet out without having something in his back pocket. We, we keep believing that because nobody has ever done it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean it's not it, true. It, no, absolutely. Let, let me just go back to Uber again because it's probably one of the most disruptive companies since Tesla, you know, out there in Silicon Valley. I mean, their founder and biggest shareholder got run out by a board that was very defensive of him in a very short period of time. And he also got run out by the press. And so this guy has antagonized the investment community, specifically the shorts, and the press. And so, you know, if the SEC is really on his tail here and there was something that didn't go wrong and now he's recused, he's already one step removed from the whole process. So to me, you run the risk. And if Musk's gone from this company, then that's one of the biggest pillars, I think, of the bull case. In a good way or bad way. At this point, guys, let's, let's ask the honest question. Is Elon Musk a benefit to Tesla? Yes, no doubt. I mean, I think if he were out, the, all of that cult stock, the levitation that the stock has had on the visionary uh, you know, status of Elon Musk will deflate pretty quickly. But he's launched the company. He's done the heavy lifting. He's done. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Right. He's, he's an amazing businessman. He's done the hard work. Now, many would argue car companies are among the most difficult to run. You need, an, oper like you need an operations then. person. If the answer to that question is yes, Brian, I think investors should be concerned. Because if you're, all your hype is tied up in this one guy and he is where all the critical value is, I think you're right, Karen. I'm not mm -hmm. disagreeing with you. But, but that would be a major concern to me. And I think he is tied up in the Yep. OK. And as a reminder, Elon Musk, if you are out there watching CNBC, please, we're not a call-in show, but we'll take your call. All right. We're going to have more on Tesla throughout the hour. And coming up, the sharing economy showdown. We're going to talk about how the unicorns like Dan's Uber are giving some of the largest publicly traded companies now a run for their money. Plus, Jack playing defense. Heading out on a bit of an apology tour, but is he doing more harm than good? We've got a special report, as always, live from Times Square. Much more fast right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Oh, That's wow. right. Oh, it nice. is. Have you noticed Brothers we're switching gift. gears? We're going to get back to Tesla. Don't worry. But look at that. Look at the music, the Brothers graphics. Gift. They're on the radio. There's beautiful graphics. Did you like, did you like the Bee Gees growing up? Brian? I like Andy Gibbs solo. Let's move on. It is retail <laughs> heaven out there. Amazon. <laughs> a lot of information. Amazon rallying more than 60%, but many of the traditional retailers, the brick and mortars, are also joining in. Look at that. Macy's. Up 60%. TJX, parent company TJ Maxx and Home Goods, up. Target up. 
and a strong consumer is what could push the market to new highs and beyond this year. Bob Pisani, who no doubt probably went to a number of BG shows back in the day on roller skates, <laughs> joins us now from the NYSE with more. Bob. No way. Uh, no, Neil Young and New Wave, Blondie, Talking Heads. Nice. No, not the BG. Sorry, Brian. By one measure, retail stocks just hit an all-time high. The retail ETF, that's the XRT, it's up 13% in the last three months, hits an all-time high today. That's important because, you know, the XRT is equal-weighted index of about 90 retailers. So you don't have one big name. You don't have a Walmart. You don't have an Amazon pushing it around too much. I like this action. Amazon is on fire this year, but the big retail names like Kohl's and Abercrombie, Tiffany, Five Below, they're all soaring 30 to 50 percent this year. What's going on? Well, first, the second quarter earnings are really good, and I don't just mean in general. The 108 retailers that retail metrics tracks are seeing earnings gains of 18 percent for the second quarter. That is almost as good as the whole S&P 500 gain of 22%. So the retailers are making money. Why is this happening? Well, the big box retailers are finally starting to solidify positions and are grabbing some business that Amazon isn't. They're not invincible. Amazon isn't. So the discounters like Raw Stores, TGX, they're in new highs. The dollar stores are doing a little bit better. And most importantly, the department stores, the Macy's, the Nordstrom's, they're finally seeing some revenue stability and even a little bit of improvement in some cases. Second thing, and this is important, some of this may just reflect the fact that there's just a lot fewer and fewer stocks for people to buy. We've talked about this. There were about 150 publicly traded retail companies in the mid-2000s. You know what we're down to now? About 108, one-third less than there was 10 years ago. And remember, there's not been many retail IPOs as well. Finally, just look at this macro backdrop. The retail name should be doing better, for heaven's sake, in an environment when you've got corporate tax cuts, you've got lower unemployment, solid consumer confidence, solid spending, all signs of a healthy economy. The bottom line here, Brian, this is the best retail's had in a long, long time. Yeah, Thank retail you. retail heaven. You like Blondie. Could you say it's a little bit of retail rapture, oh, maybe? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, no, did not you see Bohemian. What I, you see I what know. I just did there? Yeah, tide is high for these stocks. You like it? Hanging on the top. Oh, I like that. I like that. Tide is high. It's all right. Karen in her heart of glass. All right, let's talk now. That was one of the nice. smarter things I've heard in a long time. You're welcome. Let's trade it here. Okay, retail. Karen Feinerman, retail's been great. Yep. Here's the thing. That was in the past. What have you done for us lately? Can you still make money in retail stocks? Uh, well, one that I'm happy to own is Coors. They did really nicely, announced great earnings yesterday. A lot of the reasons that Bob cited are also happening at Coors. They're getting their online business together. They're also rationalizing their bricks and mortar. Right, they're closing stores, and that's actually helped them a lot. That business is doing really nicely, plus the Jimmy Choo acquisition is helping as well. I like it. I think one way or another you're going to make money oh, in, the, nice, nice, in the retail nice. space. Last <laughs> night we did a little something on the show we call the Power Pitch, and we pitched J.W. Nordstrom's ahead of earnings on August 16th. And, and I just want to interject one thing. I do think Nordstrom's will Fast surprise pitch. the upside. Come on, dude. But I'll say this. Let's not confuse the consumers want to spend with their ability to spend. I think... Now, uh, consumer debt to GDP is probably north of 50%. Now, you could say, you know what, the other side of the ledger is equally strong. I think that's more of the top 10%. So I think we're making the same mistakes we made a decade ago, but that's an entirely You're different You're saying investors have been dreaming. <laughs> nice. You like that one, Guy Dami? All right, done. let's move on. Thank you. Thank you. Best, best Deborah Hackettstown, wow. New Jersey's own. Tremendous. Consumer discretionary is not the only sector leading the market up over the past week. You might have heard about this. 
tech run, kind of giving it a run for its money. But as the two sectors go head to head, tech versus the consumer, which one will come out on top? Let's bring in somebody who knows something about the consumer and the economy. Rebecca Patterson, Chief Investment Officer at Bessemer Trust, and joins us now, smiling because we've got a 4% economy, the consumer is flush with cash. Yes. Is that all going to continue, though, or literally are we at peak consumer, peak retail, peak earnings? I think in the near term, next six months or so, unless we have an oil shock, unless oil prices go up and stay up and really weigh on gasoline hit to the consumer, the consumer is going to stay strong, at least until we get into early next year. Um, you made a great point, I think. And, and I like, I'm overweight, consumer discretionary, and tech. Yes, you made a great That's point. shocking. <laughs> so the, what you were talking about is the, the canary in the coal mine, which is the debt to GDP. Right now, it's not a huge headwind because interest rates are so low. But as the Fed continues to slowly tighten, that credit card debt gets bigger. So debt to disposable income, low today. Debt payments to income, low today. But it's going to change. And there's an inflection point. And to your point, too, it's also part of the economy. So you don't feel it in the aggregate, but it's definitely there. Might be a credit in the Kohl's mine. We say that for yes. reach out, by the way. We're, We're going to stop. Yeah. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. Home, price. Great. Home, home prices. Home prices at a seven-year high. Mortgage rates at a seven-year high. Mm -hmm. Consumers spending more and more of their disposable income on rent and housing. Won't that ultimately chip away? at that retail story we it's, just talked it's about? It's late cycle, right. So we're in the sweet spot right now for the consumer because they're getting jobs, they're finally getting rising wages, they feel more confident spending, but there's a window for that. And again, I don't know the day the window closes. It's open at least, I think, till year end, maybe until next year, but then we have to worry about it, which leads me to choose, gun to my head, consumer discretionary, as great as Bob Pisani was with his pitch, or tech, I still prefer tech. Because all those consumer companies, to make sure they can stay in business, have to get digital. They have to have a, a multi-commerce, multi-platform structure that costs money. And what are they spending on? Tech. Does that make you a little worried? Because Karen just said you see a lot of these retailers rationalizing their bricks and mortars. And they're doing third-party deals with Amazon, who's taking half of the e-commerce growth from here on out. We right. know that Amazon's been this massive deflationary force. So mm -hmm. it's good for consumers. But if it's putting out a lot of retail jobs, is this a trend that we're going to see, in your opinion, which may be very bad for the consumer? Going you know, I actually did a research note on this last year because I was fascinated by the whole zombie mall yeah. thing. And what it turns out is that while retail jobs are getting shed, a lot of those same people are getting other jobs in other sectors, whether it's online or elsewhere. And so the actual amount of job losses in retail, while they're there, it's pretty small. It's actually a lot smaller than you might have expected. People are finding other jobs elsewhere in the economy, sometimes making more money. Yeah, we talked about that monthly jobs number where retail had lost money, and somebody had wondered, they made the good point, maybe that was Toys R Us workers. That was a one-time blip, right. but that they're going to find that new employment. Let's hope Rebecca Patterson, Bessemer Trust. Rebecca, always a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys, around the horn trade, let's talk about retail. Guy, Domini, the retail names, aside from your JWN. Catching your eye? Credit cards, and we've been talking about this for all. MasterCard, Visa, they continue to grow in evaluation. People say they're extended over their skis. I would push back and say no. So if you want to be in retail, I still think MasterCard and Visa gets you. Well, I'll just mention this. I mean, Square, you saw the results. People weren't overwhelmed with what the results were. The stock went up, and that's one way to play this kind of emerging kind of e um, trend, especially because you're seeing these devices, um, the payment processing devices, just in a lot more places. You're not betting on the team, you're betting on the game itself. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with him with Visa and MasterCard. It's just processing, but a different way to do it. So back to a retail name, uh, Foot Locker's announcing in two weeks. I think back to school, we're partially for this quarter that they report in back to school. I think it's going to be strong. The valuation here is cheap. I want to stay along. The, the FL. The FL, yeah. 
We've had a big run in consumer discretionary, but I think Tiffany, LVMH, these, these names continue to work globally. I think they're defensive on the trade front because, let's face it, these are aspirational purchases, and I don't think they're as price sensitive. Take a look at those. All right, the Visas, the Squares, you got the FLs, and you got the Tiffany's. That we knew Seymour was going high end. Coming up, Jack Dorsey on the defense, feeling the heat for a decision about who should have a voice on a social media platform, but is he putting Twitter and its investors in jeopardy? We've got the details on the story you need to hear. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up. Plus, so how did it go? Not well, because shares bookings holding, you know it is Priceline, are tanking on earnings, and it could signal a broader troubling trend for leisure stocks. We'll tell you what that is when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thank you so much for joining us. There's a lot of breaking news out there tonight, including news on Tesla. We're going to get to more on Tesla in the back half of the show because that stock went from down after hours to up the last time we looked at it. Let's talk now, though, about Twitter because Jack Dorsey going on somewhat of an apology tour, if you will, and ex maybe he's explaining his situation going on Fox News' Sean Hannity show, defending their decision to keep certain controversial figures like Alex Jones, InfoWars, on the platform. Listen to this. We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Uh, we, every, every model that we have on the network uh, is really looking at the behaviors on the network. Uh, we take those behaviors as signals. And I do want to point out that these signals evolve uh, minute, like minute by minute, hourly by hourly. These are not scarlet permanent letters that people then take on as a badge and will never be ranked high in search or not allowed to trend or ranked high in conversation. So these are models that are looking at behaviors and behaviors of bad faith actors who intend to manipulate, distract, divide uh, a conversation um, or to unfairly amplify their content, which they didn't earn. Now, all this comes, of course, after Apple, Facebook, even Spotify, YouTube and other tech companies have cracked down on the InfoWars host. So two questions here. Is Dorsey making the right choices, and is he playing politics, maybe at the expense of the investors, Guy Adami, with his foray onto this media circuit? Well, Hester Prynne notwithstanding, the move lower in Twitter has been on the back of the quarter they reported on July 25th. So now you, the question is, we've round-turned the move from basically March to the all-time high we made recently. Is the stock value here? I think it, I happen to think it is. I don't think that last quarter was a disaster. I continue to say I think they use the wrong metrics. I don't think it's about daily active users or monthly active users at all. They make that mistake. They should get away with it. That's my uh, opinion on the subject. But if you look at the quarter, I still think 
They're trending in the right direction. Maybe the stock got ahead of itself. But I think the fact that we've round-tripped the last three months makes a compelling right here. Is that here. Scarlet Letter? Scarlet Letter? You heard him mention uh, the Scarlet Letter. So I just interjected the Hester lead Print, character, yes. and I figured you would understand that. No, it's it. a nice reference, Guy. <laughs> what, what I would say is there's two things with Twitter. One, it's been highly correlated to the move of Facebook. And, and let's not confuse politics with policies. I, I think uh, companies that have your data that have a right to that need to protect your data, secure it, in addition to collect it, are trying to figure out how, you know, what the guidelines are. I think they're all struggling right now with this, and I think that's a, an overhang for the sector. But remember, the move to me in Twitter was not about their earnings. It was all about the move in Facebook. I, and look at the correlation between those two stocks. But, but, but is this a social media platform, unlike any other, Tim, that it needs journalists and the media more than any other? Twitter is the, is the social media yes, choice I I, for our industry. I don't think people think of Twitter as a community of sharing as much as they think of it as news, real-time news. That's what I think of. I don't go on Twitter to show a picture of my dog. I go on Twitter to maybe see a picture of Guy's dog. But otherwise, I think it's really about people, real-time information. Yeah. It's incredibly valuable. It's incredibly unique. You walk into a room, you yell something, and then you... you, well, you are you on, asking, yeah. are you saying if he goes on Fox, he's be, being political? Or could you say he's being non-political? He'll go on He'll go on Fox. Uh, first saying, who cares what I think? I think he's being non-political. I like what, the move. Right. I, I, I agree. I think he's being non-political. I'm guessing the, the he's probably... Because right? he's trying a lot to explain of, their policy. Yeah. He, yeah. And, he, and he's trying right. to speak to the biggest audience out there. And that is one of the well, biggest no, audiences. He's trying to speak to the audience that would be very critical of the choice. And so I, I actually think what's really important here is that Jack Dorsey is the founder of this company and, and has presided over the resurgence of it since he came back to the company, is the only person who would be able to do this as the CEO of Twitter right now, given what What's going on with all of their social peers, in my opinion. So, um, you know, it may be a hill that he ends up dying on. He's doing a better job is. than Zuckerberg? Much better job than Zuckerberg. I, I mean, so. Zuckerberg with Kara Swisher a few weeks ago in that interview that he did, he stepped in a lot of landmines there, and it didn't do a great job right before that earnings report. I will go back to one point. The stock's 20% decline on July 25th had everything to do with their earnings and nothing to do with this incident I, right here. I disagree. No, well, really? come on. Really? I, I think Facebook, Twitter has been correlated with Facebook. Yeah. That night, Facebook was down big. Look at Twitter. It was down 11% that night. Yeah, okay, that, that, guys, guys let's, we're going to continue the debate. Let's bring in another voice, a very smart voice, Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. Okay, Sarah, you, you heard our commentary. I'm sure, you know, you've put stuff out. I'm sure you're hearing from the, the populace, people in our industry and otherwise. What are they saying about Jack Dorsey's recent moves? So the interview with Alex jo about Alex Jones with Sean Hannity was actually a little bit coincidental. I wouldn't give him too much credit for being so politically savvy because sources tell us that they actually had interviews on the books with NBC's Lester Holt for Nightly News next Wednesday and for, with CNN's Brian Stilter next Sunday. It just so happens that the scheduling worked out that Hannity's interview happened this week and it was the first one. So it was good that he's appealing to conservatives and having that voice be heard on that outlet, but don't think that that's the only place he's going to go to explain it. And then the other thing, too, is that Jack Dorsey just kind of wants to get out there and be the face of this company and better explain his policies. He's not someone that's on TV a lot. And so it's important for him to get out there, to do a media tour, and start to just communicate to the American people, as well as journalists and analysts like ourselves, what Twitter's decision-making really looks like. Yeah, it is. Is the reaction been favorable or unfavorable, Sarah? 
it's so far been a little bit of a mixed bag. Look, a lot of people will say, Jack Dorsey, how could you let this type of voice remain on your platform? In fact, CNN put out an article today saying you're contradicting yourself by keeping him on the platform. But then there are other people, and I'm in this camp myself, that say, look, Twitter is at least sticking to its policies. We see some of these other tech companies that say, we don't ban anyone based off of PR or pressure. We hold true to our policies, but look, if every tech company is going to ban him at the same time, it would be highly coincidental that he violated all of their policies at the exact same time. So at least Twitter is doing one thing right, which is sticking to their policies and holding ground. Yeah, and, and hopefully that'll help them in free speech arguments in the future. Sure. And Karen Feinerman, isn't this just good business in a way? I mean, yes. if you look at half yes. the country's conservative, right. half is liberal theoretically. Most, right. most Twitter users do self-identify as liberal. Jack Dorsey realizes, am I going to alienate 50% of totally my potential agree. users in the United States? It's like Michael Jordan says, Republicans buy sneakers too. So I, I think he's doing the right thing. All right. Sarah Fisher of Axios, as always, thank you for your insight. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, still ahead, if you are just joining us, Tesla stock on the move, doing a U-turn after hours on a report from CNBC's Alex Sherman. A Tesla's board is planning to meet with advisors next week to possibly possibly speed up plans to go private and maybe have Musk recuse himself from the process. That stock up 3% right now. Much more on that story, much more on the markets and your money right after the break. All right, if you are just joining us, hi, by the way. The big story of the night is going to be Tesla once again. CNBC.com's Alex Sherman breaking the news about an hour ago that Tesla's board is planning to meet with advisors to try to speed up plans to go private. That's according to our reporting. The board also expected to ask Musk to recuse himself from any go private process. That stock, which was down after hours fairly considerably, turned around immediately. Look at that turn. It is now more than 2%. For more on this, let us bring in James Stewart of The New York Times. He penned a critical editorial of Musk this morning asking, did he violate securities laws about taking or talking about Tesla going private? Uh, James, welcome. It's Brian Sullivan. Good to chat with you again. Uh, I know you yeah. reported this morning that all your wide sources on Wall Street had said you haven't talked to anybody that has talked about financing. Is that still the case? Uh, I think there have been maybe a few feelers put out, but essentially it is still the case. There is still no indication that the quote-unquote funding is secure as Musk put out in his tweet. And as I mentioned, that is a material fact that is going to move markets. If that was not true, then there are going to be some serious legal implications here. And by the way, this latest development, which is also shocking on many levels, first of all, they're only now talking to some advisors. They're only now forming a committee of the board. They're only now asking Musk to recuse himself after he puts out a tweet announcing to the world that this buyout, he's going to propose a buyout at $420. That is crazy. All of this should have been done before he put out the tweet. If I was an SEC right now, I would be beside myself. Well, there's a lot of legal issues as well, Jim, and it does, I, I think you're right, it does appear that he kind of threw the firecracker in the room and then ran out, and the board is there left to clean up the mess. But when we talk about disclosure, which was a big part of your editorial this morning, Rule 10b-5, the 1934 law that focuses on insider trading, has tried to have been adjusted in the social media era. There's still a lot of questions, and, and it sounds like nobody is really sure if a Twitter account from a private individual as Elon Musk is, this is not Tesla's official account, 
does indeed fall under the, the fair disclosure laws. Uh, that's correct. I mean, there's a little there's a little bit of precedent on this, but nothing that has addressed something like a 70 plus billion dollar buyout or takeover of a public company like that. And I cannot believe the SEC is going to sanction this and is going to say that, OK, yeah, you just toss something off on Twitter. And that that's the equivalent of an 8K filing, you know, which goes out and, and a press release. It, I, I just can't believe they're going to do that. It flies in the face of decades of security law, which is all about getting material information to as many people as possible at the same time so everybody has the same fair thing, which, by the way, that's going to be a problem with this latest news breaking. The board is hiring advisors. The board is gearing up. The board is going to ask Musk to recuse themselves. That should all be in an 8K disclosure to the general investing public. And, and in my view, it should have been filed with the SEC Wednesday or this morning. They've already waited too long. And I think they're getting themselves into more legal jeopardy. It's Karen. Let me ask you something. I mean, I fully agree with everything you said. I can't believe there hasn't been a 13D amendment filed Absolutely. two days ago. It's ridiculous. But one thing in your piece today, you said maybe you could find some wiggle room in this in this phrase financing secured. Seems like kind right. of a firm phrase. But how are you thinking? Where is the, where's the wiggle well, room? Look, I'm just trying to be I'm trying to be fair to them here and thinking, well, maybe there's some sort of explanation here, which, by the way, that's something they also ought to put in 8K, which is how did this happen and why did he tweet this when he did and who knew about it? But putting that aside, it's going to be like one of these, you know, what does, you know, the famous, you know, what does is mean or something, you know, to me, fully secured means they've got a financing deal, but Secured, does it mean, well, yes, Saudi Arabia told me they were gung-ho to do it or, or something? I, you know, something kind of loose like that, something short of a signed agreement? I I don't know. Look, I think it's a long shot, but um, I'm just saying I don't know all the facts. And until I do, I'm not willing to say, you know, he's guilty. But yeah. I, I, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I wonder if the board knows all the facts Nobody as well. That, facts. That's it, that's that, except thing. for Elon Musk right now. Jim Stewart, we appreciate your time, Jim. Thank you very much sure. for joining us. All right. Thank you. Still Bye. ahead, let's get a check on our Kramer cam as we head to break. There is Jim. He's talking about a handful of once left four dead stocks that are now suddenly surging. Going to name the names and find out why they are suddenly seeing some life. Of course, that's at the top of the next hour on Mad Money. A lot more fast money still ahead. Stick around. All right, let's get a check on Dropbox because that stock is dropping. There you go. Dropbox down 9.5%. DBX is the ticker. They had an earnings beat. The company, though, announcing that its COO, Dennis Woodside, was stepping down. Tough, uh, going to be a tough tomorrow, looks like, Tim Seymour, for DBX investors. I don't think this is a C-suite issue. I think this is a top-line issue, and I think these guys are actually announcing better profitability. Their ARPU trajectory is better. They have higher premium products. But let's face it, this is a growth story in a very competitive space um, it's been all over the map. It rallied going into the number, and I'm not surprised that this. I'm not worried about management here. I, I'm worried about what. Do you worry this is a commodity? This is kind of the self-storage of technology. There's a lot of competition. Yeah, and my, commoditized. Eventually, margins is going to keep coming down in this space. Well, the margins are going higher just in the short run. Again, I think. Well, DBX now coming at the industry beat. altogether. You got a big forward. beat. You've got better profitability, but if you're not growing the yeah. top line in a growth story that's priced like a growth story, you're going to get punished like this. Okay, there you go. Dropbox down over nine percent. We're going to have final trades. Everybody get ready. You ready? Sure, final right. trades. Right the warning, boy. Final trades right after this. 
Uh, time flies into the show. Time is always for our final trades. Tim Seymour. Intel's not been flying, but I think semis are coming back. But this is best of the bunch. Take a look at Intel. Intel. Karen. Related to the retail trade, I like Lowe's. Oh, valuation right here. Come on, Dan. Yeah, I think one of these guys said it. I mean, Twitter's really trying to hold here, and I think, you know, maybe a potential gap fill, use a 30 stop. To gap fill. I got to tell you, you do yeoman's work because in 11 hours, you're going to be in Englewood Cliffs on Worldwide Exchange. I mean, you get up at 2.45 in the morning. Quoting, quoting. I mean, I know it's not wah, wah. He's a stud. I want to give him, give Brian well, Sullivan some love. Stop pushing. You know what else? Ralph Final trade. Right. Sully. Come on. Awesome. Ralph. Guy, this is why you're guys. my favorite. Guy, yeah. Adam, you're my favorite. Special. See you on TV in 30 minutes. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.